Hey everybody, my name is Alex and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Um, before we get started, um, A, I want to apologize for the humming in the background constantly in most of the podcasts you've been hearing lately. That's because I live on the East Coast and it's summer and it's hot as shit. So you're hearing a very tiny window air conditioner because I live in an old building and... That's the only way this place is going to get cool, yo. But, um, also thank you to everybody who listened to my episode on Tenjo Tenge, um, or Tenjo Tinge, or however you want to pronounce that weird-ass show. Um, I wasn't expecting it to go the way it did in that recording. I was expecting kind of like a schlocky, like, fun, let's talk about bad, weird anime from the weird time, the weird, weird time of 2000, I think it came out 2015, or maybe a little bit earlier, but there's a period of time in which a lot of anime was not, was not mainstream enough to be seen as normal enough, so the things did, like, um, Natsume's inflating tits, were still insane enough to get, like, onto the Conan show and shit, <laughs> which he, he, like, showcased. They went to Bang Zoom, and if you've ever seen the, uh, the Ghost in the, the meme from the original Ghost in the Shell movie where somebody's screaming, shoot the fish, shoot the fish. That's from, um, they let Conan O'Brien and Andy Richter, and Andy Richter overdub the original Ghost in the Shell, which is, I like, it's both sacrilegious and insanely funny. I, I highly recommend looking that up. You can just look up, um, Conan O'Brien plus manga video or whatever, and you'll probably find it eventually. But, um, I'm also... Like, as part of the main body of the show, I am going to dive into something else, but we'll we'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, but without further ado, uh, this week we will be talking about Eurythe Yathura, i glad I said that right, Beautiful Dreamer. Now, before we get into Urethayathera, I wanted to touch on something because I, and I thought about doing a bonus episode of this, but quite frankly, I, once a week of, of me in your, fa- in your ear holes, I think is enough. And also, um, 
just I I couldn't figure out where to fit a bonus episode where I felt like it wasn't pushing out the episode proper and you might miss it. So I wanted to talk about this topic here for a little bit because I have some strong opinions and I and they are pretty opposed to what I've seen out in the universe of like anime, social media and whatnot. And if you haven't guessed by now, um, <laughs> what I want to talk about is the Crunchyroll High Guardian Spice thing that they've got going on. So for those of you who may have, I'm not going to say been under a rock because it's easy to like miss this kind of stuff because there's so much of stuff happening, period, all the time. But for those of you who maybe just haven't paid attention to that stuff or maybe saw, like, the word spice in weird red letters and just, like, glossed over it as you were scrolling through Twitter, and you're like, ah, maybe I'll get back to that, and you never did. Um, what Crunchyroll is doing is they are funding a American-style anime. Like, think, not, not, what I say American-style anime, I mean... An American animation, an American cartoon that is super heavily influenced by anime properties. And that cartoon is called High Guardian Spice. Now, a lot of people, a lot of people have jumped all over Crunchyroll and jumped all over just to take in this opportunity to like, jump down Crunchyroll's throat for a number of reasons. Some valid, some not. Some people have said, why are you wasting money on this, like, weird vanity original content thing that looks at best like it's a bad ripoff of Little Witch Academia instead of doing things like, oh, I don't know, moving your entire platform off of... Off of Flash Player before Flash Player dies officially, pretty soon actually. Or why are you doing this instead of making it so that your servers don't go down every time a Dragon Ball Super episode would go up, or something of that size? Or why are you doing this instead of like a million other things? It's it turns into a really what about thing, and I'm not. I'm not here to say that Crunchyroll shouldn't do that stuff. I am not here to say that there isn't a valid argument to the idea that Crunchyroll is producing all of this stuff that maybe nobody wants. I mean, I, I will say I have watched like two episodes, two one and a half episodes of that show that they um, got the rights to and then restarted called Fan Service, which is like. It's like a roundtable show, but about anime, and it, I'll be honest, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel, I, I understand why it got cancelled and uncancelled, it's something about it just doesn't fit. But, at the same point, I, and I started to write a medium a post about this, but I, I have no illusions to think that anything that I write that's not exactly on point, exactly at the time it needs to be, would be worse. Not only writing, but putting up on medium in a way that people would see it and appreciate it. I'm. I don't know um, how you got how anybody listening to this found me, but one of the ways some of you may have found me is I wrote a Medium post that Medium itself picked up and promoted and, like, shot all over the internet and the universe called, um, I forget what I, I forget what I called it, but essentially it was about anime and the Oscars and why anime has such a big problem winning, like, critical darling awards in the West and that got spread everywhere. So I've done I've done that and I've done that successfully. I just didn't didn't know if the crunchy my crunchyroll opinions would be as 
viable in that form, so I thought I'd mention him here. But anyway, I'm not here to criticize Crunchyroll for trying. I, I actually appreciate them trying to make anime and make Japanese pop culture and in general make animation accessible to an audience that doesn't readily seek it out. And part of that is doing things like original content, like original animations, because we, when I got into anime when I was like 9 or 10, yes, that's right, I've been watching anime for nearly a decade now, or nearly two decades now, I'm sorry, I'm old. Um, it was a weird thing. It was like, it was, uh, it, I, it was another thing that set me apart from everybody else. And I was fine with that because I'm like, oh, this is cool. I can imagine like being in these cartoons. I can imagine being that character. And there's, and the, and the cartoon, and the cartoon actively encourages me to do that. It's, it. Anime has a way of encouraging people who normally wouldn't feel like they can be main characters in, like, an action show to be those main characters. I mean, so much of anime is about outcasts and weirdos and misfits. And so much of comic books is like that, too. And if you've seen the way Marvel has mutated into a behemoth giant of entertainment and movies and video games and all this other stuff, you're starting to see that with anime. And this is kind of the first step is a... Okay, so for those of you who don't know, um, Crunchyroll at some point got bought by a by a company named Elation. And as far as I can tell, Elation basically is a buyer of entertainment of niche entertainment brands. I, I was also I was a beta tester for Verve. Shortly after Verve was released, like within 6 months I think, they got bought by um, Elation 2, and we're kind of hooked, and them and Crunchy, that's when you started to see the cross-promo between Crunchyroll and Verve constantly. That's when you started to get the pop-up card on the Crunchyroll app that said, hey, our servers are a little overloaded, maybe you might want to watch this or something else on Verve, which I always found obnoxious because I didn't. Um, and that's when all that cross-pollination cross-promotion stuff started to happen. And what... The thing that we are not used to as American anime fans, the thing that we are really not used to is brand synergy. <laughs> and that that may sound odd. You're like, what the fuck? Why would I have to worry about brand synergy? Well, this is why. It's brands trying to weave in and out of each other constantly. And in reality, there's nothing more Japanese than big brand names getting into shit you never knew that they would get into. So, for example, Mitsubishi, the car company, the the triangle made out of three red diamonds, they sell orange juice in Japan. Um, uh, Capcom has health clubs these brands, Japanese brands actually, have this kind of like tendril-like effect that is omnipresent in people's lives, or can be omnipresent in people's lives. And why we have monopoly laws, hopefully still, to prevent stuff like that,
there's nothing saying that Crunchyroll, the company, can't produce something that they have every reason to think that their fans, not necessarily you, the listener, or the person listening to me right now, who I'm imagining to be this blue snowball microphone in front of me, not necessarily you, but people you've never met or people who you have, like, seen and been like, I'm glad I'm not that kind of person might like. Because, and here's the thing. Like I said, when I got into anime when I was 9 or 10, it was a niche thing. It was a weirdo thing. And I loved it because it made me feel like I could be... Part of the reason I loved it was because it made me feel like I could be those people. In in whatever show I was watching. It, there was no reason... I, I, as a disabled, half-black kid of an insane Japanese racism, couldn't be a main character of an anime. And the universe has since extrapolated to be like, no, 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 there's, there's black characters, there's white characters, you, you can be in this, Alex. And when it was that small... And it was just me and a bunch of my punk friends from middle school and high school and college. It was a unique, small thing. And Crunchyroll, which I mind you, started out as an illegal streaming service, had a smaller subscriber base, a way smaller subscriber base than it does now. It was, I think, maybe early this year or late last year, probably late last year, probably middle of last year, they crossed a million people. Which means that a million people, which means 999,000 people, other than you, the listener, have a Crunchyroll subscription. Which means that people you know have a Crunchyroll subscription, and they just don't bring it up because it's not relevant. Because it's just a thing they do. They like, oh yeah, I pay six bucks a month, six bucks a month to watch Naruto, or oh yeah, I pay six bucks a month to watch Dragon Ball Z. But that ended, so I moved on to Attack on Titan, and that seems pretty cool. Um, but that means that it's much more, it's much more widespread. It's not a, it's not weird to be into anime now. Is what I'm trying to say. It, it's so unweird that in, in my day job, I I end up in a lot of places with, like, for, like, procuring materials and all this stuff. And I went to a meeting yesterday, and I was wearing a Uniqlo shirt. Um, I forget what the, what the, like, property associated with it was. And the, a woman comes in, and she looks at my Uniqlo shirt, and she goes... Oh, what characters are those? Because I'm really into anime. And my instinctual... My instinct was to just reel back and be like, Oh my god! What's happening? That doesn't happen. That's not allowed. Stop it. Stop it. Like, I'm supposed to be the gross neckbeard who, like, humps his body pillow and says the word kawaii in people's minds, not like an office lady. Only that's that's what is true now, is that everybody likes this kind of stuff. Everybody, like, we are in an age where because we watch anime is not a reason to discount us as weirdos, as freaks. But the thing about the transition process is now places like Crunchyroll need to reach farther. They need to produce things that would get other people interested in them, that would slowly creep their brand and anime as a whole into people's lives. And something like High Guardian Spice... it's designed to be a Crunchyroll exclusive, 
specifically so they can put a trailer on YouTube and a kid can see it and be like, I want to watch that. And they type in and they hit the, the link at the bottom in the, the description and they're taking a Crunchyroll. And yeah, they might they might watch High Guard, an episode of High Guardian Spice and be like, oh, that was fun. I'll watch that once a week or however they publish it, probably either once a week or um, all at once. But now they're in Crunchyroll. Now Crunchyroll has them and can just be like, look at all of this insane stuff that you've never seen before. It will be, it will, High Guardian Spice has the potential to cause someone to have the same moment with some show like Attack on Titan or even a like, Otter show like Konosuba, like I had with, and I'm not judging this thing, the show because it is a quality program. Pilot candidate, or, and that is, you. When I stayed up for just a little too long, and woke up, and turned the TV on, like, I don't know it's on, but I don't know what time it is, and my mom hasn't sent me to bed, and I turned on Cartoon Network at, like, 12 at night, and I was greeted with giant robots and teenagers, I was just blown away. I, I was, like, it took me. And it, the same thing happened when I, way before that, saw... Princess Mononoke. That film swallowed me whole. And to this day, it is one of my favorite things ever. I mean, I went and I saw it in the theaters, for God's sake, um, probably about a month ago. But um, this show is potentially a gateway for someone to have that kind of experience. And that's important. And yes. Can, can Crunchyroll use its. Buckets of money that it now has. To do something. To improve upon the experience of Crunchyroll. Yes. Probably. Will they? Yes. At some point they will have to. Because at some point. The experience of getting to that getting to their content will be so hurt by the fact that they haven't updated something in like however long that it will hurt them that they will see subscriber drop off as they're starting to see now I know for a fact because people can't technically get to the anime they want to watch to people can't Crunchyroll get people can't technically get to, or when people can't technically get to, Crunchyroll's product, aka anime, that's when problems really start. But for right now, they are now an arm of a company. They are now, which I believe just is getting bought by AT&T, so this is about to ramp up again. So they need to expand it in a way that they can't just dishing out everyday program, the everyday you expect from Crunchyroll, because Crunchyroll gets tons of shows every season. But what it doesn't get is it doesn't get something that will knock it out of the park for someone who's not into anime. While while that is less and less every day. A million subscribers to your streaming service is not a lot. It's, eno it's enough for someone to see you as a great add to their portfolio of streaming services. But it's not enough to wade into the, to wade into the ocean with, with the sharks of the internet like Hulu, like Netflix, like Amazon, believe it or not. Amazon, it's places like Amazon, Hulu, and Netflix have so much money 
that they can just do whatever they want in the space and they don't need to worry about in the space of anime and they don't need to worry about what anybody thinks because it's just another drop in their buckets of programming. And because, but also because they have so much money, they can make the big plays that Crunchyroll can't. Crunchyroll can sit on can sit on a production committee and contribute to shows, but Netflix can fund shows entirely. Amazon can go to a programming block and say, "We want this. We want this programming block. Here's these." Bu- Here's here's these bags of money. This programming block is exclusive to us. Now all the cool experimental stuff like Banana Fish or like um what's the gemstone girl show? Uh the CGI gemstone girl show. That one. Um and all the Noitamina stuff comes to Netflix first. And if you stop and think about a lot of really amazing anime, or it comes to Amazon first, if you stop and think about a lot of the really amazing anime out there, a lot of it's from Noitamina. Yes, there are standout shows from other from other places. Of course there are. But things like Banana Fish, things like Paradise Kiss, things like um, Honey and Clover are all, even things like um, Eden of the East are all Noitamina shows because they're considered experimental and they were also coincidentally extremely popular. So that's the kind of thing money gets you. As for Hulu, Hulu is a, a mashup of TV conglomerates, so they get kind of whatever they can get their mitts on. But if Crunchyroll wants to compete in those arenas, it needs to give people more than anime to come to it for. Because the way that you survive as a niche property is you truly embrace the kind of culture of whatever niche you're in. So um, a perfect example of this is, and I promise I'm almost done with this rant, but a perfect example of this is Nerdist. So if you look at Nerdist, it was formed by the now disturbing the the now the newly disgusting Chris Hardwick and Chris Hardwick grew the way he put it he's like I grew up loving all of this stuff and he just managed to make his career out of talking about all this stuff out of obsessing over all this stuff and he just hit he hit the ground running at the right time and was able to take off and he was able to make this universe of programming on things like YouTube, on BBC America, on his podcast, which now he's been removed from because he's a festering slime ball, um, which is unfortunate. But he created this, like, media property, essentially. And that's really what Crunchyroll is trying to be, except except it wants to be that for anime. And part of being that for anime is producing original content in that vein. And unfortunately, if Crunchyroll came out tomorrow and said they were funding a full anime, A, it would break them. Because uh, even if you've seen something like Shirobako, you know exactly how expensive 10 minutes of anime, uh, a minute of animation is. So... Instead of trying to like be a po- like play the poser game and throw money around, they found a project that they really adored, that they believe in, and that they knew they could fund to completion. And they said, "We'll fund this. You- it goes on our platform exclusively, 
and they lock up views for that. We as anime fans, and as or, or even me as a longtime anime fan, may look at that and be like, "Why are you wasting time on this, man? It's not, it's not worth it." But we're not who it's aimed at, and hardcore anime fans are not who High Guardian Spice is aimed at. High Guardian Spice is aimed at you know the teenage girl who watched a couple episodes of Attack on Titan or got into Dragon Ball Super after she learned that, like, oh, there's finally a girl character other than Bulma in in Dragon Ball? I should check that out. But, and that's who that's for, because it's, not everything has to be for you, and not everything has to be directly from Japan. Or, like, not kid stuff to quote the um the ADV the old ADV ad that probably nobody remembers below the age of twenty. But it's still it's still important that that stuff gets made because the more Crunchyroll does this stuff the more they'll figure out the kinks with all of it that they're encountering right now, and the better they'll get at it, and the better they get at it, the more high-end stuff they can produce, and eventually they will get to a place, and they'll get to A, an income level, and B, a experience level, where they can put something out, where they can put out an anime equivalent of something like the House of... Like House of Cards or like Orange is the New Black, where it's a really high production value, gorgeous anime produced by, produced by some of the best animators and directors and musicians in the business. But sometimes House of Cards isn't the first thing that comes along. Fun t- sometimes you gotta get to go- you gotta get Gary. High Guardian Spice, which once again, we don't know how how hard how how good or bad High Guardian Spice is. It could be great. It's just but just not a style that we all expect when we think Crunchyroll, the place where I go to watch um whatever <laughs> pick your poison of anime. And it's just, it's important not to impugn them for trying something new, because that's the only way they're going to grow, because if we want, if we want the idea of streaming anime to be something more than just mixed in the sauce of all the other huge streaming giants right now, which is what it is largely on things like Netflix and things like Hulu and things like... Amazon, yes, they have great shows on all those channels, but they're just, they're not important, they're not truly important to the survival of those places. Every show Crunchyroll gets is important to its survival. They are, A, supporting those shows, no matter how small a way they are, and B, People are coming to them specifically to watch those shows. In Netflix, people go scrolling, 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 like, oh, hey, maybe I'll watch some Dragon Ball. Maybe I'll watch this Naruto movie. Or maybe I'll watch Seinfeld for the 900th time. Who knows? But this is, this is part of the deal with Crunchyroll getting bigger. Is it needs to continue to get bigger. And it can't do that by just offering shows that will be available on DVD in six months, or Blu-ray in six months. So, that's the end of my rant. Stop giving Crunchyroll such a hard time. They're doing what they think is right for, A, them, and ultimately us. I think I have nothing to support this. Um, But now, we're going to move on to... um. Earth, a author, a beautiful dreamer. 
So, in Earth Aethra is a um romantic comedy gag manga by the illustrious and insanely popular Rumiko Takahashi. Now, if you, that name sounds familiar to you, you could have heard from her from such classics like Inuyasha or Meizane Koku or Ranma 1, It Goes On Forever Half. But, and the thing with Rumiko Takahashi is she's made real money off of these, like, never-ending, like, I believe Meizane Koku has an end, but most of her shows don't have a real end, and she's made more money than you would imagine off of writing these kinds of shows and series. She had another one that's pretty recent that I think came out came out in 2014 and concluded, I think, maybe in 2016. But, um, anyway. So, um, she, if you've ever seen a Rumiko Takahashi show, you kind of know how it goes. Um, there's two love interests. Usually the girl is kind of cindere, but loving. And the guy is kind of a moron, somehow. And hijinks ensue. In Earth Yasura, however, the girl is an alien. And the guy is, yes, still an asshole. But he... he he's like... The thing with Ranma is is that Rama is an asshole, but he's a believable asshole. He's like a punk asshole kid. At, for, at least from the, what I saw of Beautiful Dreamer, um, I forget the main character name, but uh, Dar- Darling is what they call him. It, it's just the biggest dick to people. For no reason. <laughs> At all. It's amazing. So, but that aside, it's kind of a Rumiko Takahashi thing. They've, you, I haven't seen all of Urzi author, but you can tell all the characters have backstories. They, they're all of a certain kind of anime stereotype. And they've gone into all these backstories. It's like, the rich important one was his, like, with his main squeeze, there's the military one, there's the school nurse who's also a priest, there's the teacher who's kind of logical, but just like, oh, you darn kids. Um, and this movie opens up. It opens up... Uh, the other thing I should say is that most, most actually all of Rumi Kotakahashi's anime properties have... Multiple movies, um, but they usually have ones that are more sought after, more, more sought of than others. Um, like Ranma has Nihao My Concubine, which is all the girls plus Ranma, girl plus Ranma as a girl kidnapped and like stranded on a desert island. And um, it also had like five five other movies, and that's not uncommon for any anime, but it's commonplace for Rumiko Ta- Takahashi works. So, Beautiful Dreamer is the second Urusei author movie, and the reason why it's so odd is because it plays with reality in a way that is not that is as someone gave me a dumb. Alex, you dummy look to accompany this explanation. You expect it because it's called Beautiful Dreamer. But it's dropped on you in such a way that it that even then, even knowing the name of the movie, it catches you off guard because even if you had a basis for Urusei Yasura, a show about an alien girl who flies around and uses magic, you would have a hard time placing something in or out of context. And this movie 
takes place essentially in a dream. By the way, spoilers for this movie. If you haven't seen it, um, you can go watch it. I think on almost anything now. I, I saw it on um, Amazon on my brand new Apple TV. But you can watch it most places now from what I understand. Um, which is great. Um, but it takes place in a dream, but it doesn't tell you that up front. It just kind of eases you into it slowly but surely. So the f- the first kind of hint you get is the, like, insane school festival preparations where just, like, everything's amped up to, like, 11 in a way that you just look and you're like, even for everything I know about Rumiko Takahashi shows, and even for everything I know about Yurise Yatsura, this doesn't seem right. Something doesn't smell right, but okay. And then it moves on. And then there's a scene in what should be a busy nighttime town, and it moves on. And the first scene where you really start to get a grip on what's happening is you, the, um, like, nurse priest lady gets in a cab after talking to, like, the serious teacher dude, and she's driving in the cab, and the cab driver and her are talking about an old, um, I think it's an old Shinto legend, or Shinto folktale about a man who got on a turtle to ride to the Dragon Palace and time stopped for him while his village's time kept going. And the cab driver says, what if the entire village got on the turtle? And she's like, oh, you're shifty. I need to get you. And it the, the show spirals out of control from there. And the entire cast of Urusayathra gradually figures out, like, oh, shit. Something's fucked. And the best part about this movie is, much like in many Rumiko Takahashi properties, actually, unlike, much like in some Rumiko Takahashi properties, they're powerless to do anything about it. So they end up basically just, like, hanging out and being weirdos at, like, the continuous last day of the world. And it's just, like, this... It turns... It goes from, like, goofy Rumiko Takahashi show to, like, disaster flick to anime road warrior fun times inside the space of this movie fairly quickly. Not, like, entirely quickly, but fairly quickly. And the turtle thing comes into play because eventually they they get in a, uh, an escape plane and they fly up out of town and they realize, like, oh, shit. We can't get out of town because there's no way out of town because town is all... Because the city that we live in is all on the giant stone turtle's back. And... The movie... It's just... It's so... It's so kind of magically surreal. It's kind of encouraging, actually, because this was... This is the second movie for Earth for Earth Ayasa, which means that there was only one movie made before, and it had to sell just well enough to warrant a second movie. And then on the second movie, apparently everybody felt relaxed enough to be okay. But what about this weird shit? It's like if the first episode of Gundam was immediately preceded by the first episode of G Gundam. <laughs> if it's it's just like it's the idea of the first to the second in this way, it's just so it's just so wild to me. 
And it, so after, like, they, so they basically, they figure out that, like, nobody can get here. And then you meet the dream demon. I'm just going to call him the dream demon. I forget what his, what the actual name of the, like, yokai that creates dreams is. But there is, a, like, a mystical yokai or yokai or as people call them yokai they're basically like a that's an umbrella it's an umbrella term for like spirits demons all kinds of like mystical stuff but um he wants to retire from making dreams because his dreams always sour at some point and become nightmares and but he's hanging out at the aquarium and um, what's her face? I think, um, the, the, our heroine meets him and says, hey, and he says, hey, I think I could make a perfect dream for you. And he does. And the way you can, the way you kind of hinted that once they say, oh, it's her dream. The way you realize that is that any, after a while, any, any romantic, any one of her romantic rivals for a darling, it just kind of disappeared. And let's be clear, this darling is not like the darling and darling and Frank's. It's not like, um, what's his face, darling and Frank. He's a straight up per- perverse asshole. Like, his goal is not to, like, live peacefully with his one chosen platonic love. His goal is to, like, build a harem and cheese and Lum, okay, Lum is her name, is just, like, another add-on addition to that, like, long parade of ladies because he's, he's really, he's really despicable and kind of an asshole. <laughs> it, like, it, he is one of those anime characters where if he existed in real life, he would be smacked so often he would barely ha- he would barely be conscious. But because Lum has wants him all for herself, anytime another another girl starts to at least in the movie, anytime another girl starts to move like move in on her territory, so to speak, they get disappeared to their own dream world. And Darling finds this out, and he proceeds to fight the dream yokai guy until he gets the special horn that summons Umbaku, or, or summons Baku, which, if you don't know what a Baku is, it's another yokai. It's the, like, opposite end of the spectrum from the deep, from the dream creator one. Um, and Bakus are typically, if you've ever seen Drowsy from Pokemon, that's a Baku. It, it, it eats people's dreams. That's why Drowsy has a special move called Dream Eater. It's because it's it's technically a yokai that eats dreams, like, in reality, or in folklore. So Baku eats, so Baku goes and eats the entire dream, and, you know, happily ever after they move on. But I was just like, holy hell! What was that? And I will, I'm being totally honest with you now. The only reason I did not talk about this when I saw it was because, like, two days later, I went to see The Night is Short Walk-On Girl, which is easily an as-out-there, if not more-out-there, symbolistic film than Beautiful Dreamer. And But what's so amazing about... Earthy Oscar, a beautiful dreamer, is that 
it came out of like a show that runs for like I think I looked up or the author and it runs for like 129 episodes and it it there's this problem with long running things like things like long run long running like harem shows and sci-fi and sci-fi shows and certainly shonen shonen jump action shows in that the movies have to be self-contained but oftentimes they still want to make the audience feel like they're in the story like they're in a story so they end up functioning almost like OVAs or um, filler episodes in their function but what's disappointing about that is they, oftentimes, they don't try and pass themselves off as filler episodes. They try to pass themselves off as, like, this is this is an event in the story that takes place between this episode and this, and this other episode that we will never talk about again. That will happen, and no one in the actual show will, at any point... Say, like, oh, man, that was crazy that one time, right? Like, we won't even get that. We'll just get to see the movie and then move on? So, usually what that means is you get things like, um, like a Naruto movie. Naruto movie is the perfect example of this very thing. They are these weird self-contained movies that contain... The entire cast of characters and all sorts of insanity in whatever section of the timeline they want. And then it's just like they never happened. The third Naruto movie. They go to Saudi Arabia and save a prince with Rock Lee. Naruto wears short sleeves and shirt and shorts and short sleeve shirts. It's bizarre. And then it's like it never happened before. Or at all. It's weird. It's like that is that is asking an insane amount of the viewer to like suspend their disbelief that hard as to say like, Well, remember that great movie we, we produced? Yeah, doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. It's weird. Don't worry about it. Now, in contrast, things like um Marvel are great because they specifically write everything for the Marvel universe to interlock. So, and they feel they can do this not only because they have movies, but they also tie that into, I don't know if it's still running, but it was god-awful, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. So, when aliens attack New York... It's not just the one-off thing everybody forgets about. <laughs> everybody, everybody in the Marvel Universe is like, Oh, fuck! I hope the aliens never come back! That was a bad time! Shit got fucked up! And then, when, and spoiler if you haven't seen it, Infinity War, Part 1, when Thanos disappears an entire, like, half of humanity... Everybody's like, fuck! I would've been okay with more aliens! Why did my wife just turn to sawdust? What the fuck? And it, it, they, by having everything affect everything else, they create this constant ripple effect that is, that is valuable to the storytelling of they, of the world they're trying to build, and but in anime, but in self, but in anime movies, they're so self-contained that they don't give themselves that space. But what they also don't do is they don't reach so far outside of the realms of sanity that are their shows. They just take the audience on a insane wild ride as if to say okay 
we both know that none of this shit happened, that none of this shit happens proper, and none of it mattered, so let's have some fun! And if they do do this, what they try and do is they try and rewrite the canon of the freaking universe, which is even more bonkers. Like, um... I think it's called Naruto the Last Ninja, which... A... This Naruto the Last Ninja, I think it's like the ninth Naruto movie or some insane shit. But that movie A takes place wholly after This is kinda how they got away with it. It takes place after the end of Naruto. After the end of Naruto. Like Naruto has his fancy, like new bandage wrapped arm and it takes place at and Kakashi is the Hokage, and it takes place after Naruto, but before Boruto. So it's supposed to be this, like, filler movie, so to speak. But what it tries to tell you, when you were told an entirely separate thing by the same fucking show, and the exact same goddamn characters, it tries to say, oh, you remember Hinata and Naruto? Secretly, they've been building a relationship for decades. And their marriage was always going to be this sweet thing. Was it always going to be this sweet thing? Yes. And they spent the time in the anime, the actual show, to be like, Oh, Hinata had a crush on Naruto. Oh, Naruto, like, appreciates Hinata and, like, is nice to her. Oh, Hinata... Almost dies fighting bad guys to help Naruto. Ho! Naruto tells Sakura that he hates her because she's lying to herself. And then the show, the show proper, ends with, like, literally ends with Naruto and Hinata getting married. (laughs) This, like, the whole show decently carefully build this unique relationship and then this one movie that's supposed to be a filler movie that's supposed to be tries to tell you like we want to be canon wink wink not really says all of our work was for naught that was all bullshit look at this fancy fairy tale we're gonna weave for you gentle ladies and gentlemen I, and the thing is, that movie was a fun ride. But the thing about Urusei Yasura is, it's a fun ride that doesn't care if it has any effect on the rest of the attractions in the amusement park. Naruto, a movie like Naruto the Last the Last Ninja or whatever it's called. Is a fun ride. Is a fun ride that is very that is safety checked and like knows where it can go and knows where it can't. Ursa Yasura, beautiful dreamer. It's like if somebody hooked the the fun the teacup up to the tilt a whirl and sent it all down a roller coaster track. At the same time. Nobody knows what's going to happen. It's going to be insane. Somebody might die. You, you don't know what happens at the end. But it's a lot of fun. Just going on the thing. Just, ride, just going for the ride. And if, if you have the means, which you definitely should, I think it's on, it's on a lot of things. Definitely check out Urusei a Beautiful Dreamer. Um, it's it's just a wild thing, <laughs> and that's kind of why I wanted to cover it on here was because it was just it's just a really wild thing. Um, and on that note, if you like this podcast, I have good. If you if you like this podcast, you can like and subscribe it in. You can subscribe to it in whatever podcast medium or store you want. In whatever podcast 
app you want. I'm on. I should be on all of them. Um, I also set up a um the port link where you can go and you can for as little as a dollar a day, as they say in the Patreon universe, you can um like pay for a subscription to this podcast. I'm not saying that that will determine whether I keep doing the podcast, but it just, it seems like a good thing. So if you, if you feel like, hey, he's really cool, I want to give him like a dollar a month because I love listening to this show and I want to show my support, now there's a way for you to do that. I also set up a Patreon. Don't know what I'm going to do with that yet. I have a few ideas of what to do with that. A few ideas of like new content because I want to put the, I want to put more serious talky thoughts out into the universe more often than just doing a couple of panels at at some anime conventions a couple times a year. I want a more sustained faucet of stuff. So um, I will let you know when I get all that right and tight. But um, yeah, so I got ways for you to support me and there'll be a link in the description that you can click and you can like choose your support range you want to do and all that stuff but um so check that out um also on that same page you can like i said you can subscribe to me in all of the podcast apps um thank you so much for listening and i will talk at you later